You are listening to The Real Men Feel Show with Andy Grant. Real Men Feel encourages men to allow and express all of their emotions. Despite what you may have been taught, all emotions do serve you. Real Men Feel is committed to engaging in discussions that most men aren't having, but you don't need to be a man to join us. The Real Men Feel Show is produced weekly for your growth and enjoyment. Listen to us on podcast platforms including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and many more. You can also watch the show on YouTube by visiting realmenfeel.org slash YouTube. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or subscribe on iTunes by visiting realmenfeel.org slash iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at realmenfeel.org and at facebook.com slash realmenfeelshow. All links mentioned in each episode are in the show notes found on the blog at realmenfeel.org. Your reviews, comments, feedback, and participation are welcome during the live show and anytime in our Facebook group, on Twitter, or at realmenfeel.org. Now, let's get into this week's show. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Real Men Feel. This is your host, Andy Grant, and we are uh, tonight we're joined once again by the most appearances winner by far, and this this appearance puts him even further lead, but uh, uh, Mr. Anthony I still got it. Yeah, yeah, so... <laughs> Your first appearance of 2019, or is Thank it? Thank you. Wait. Oh, no, it's already your second. Yeah, we did the Gillette panel show. That was... Yeah, that's right. We right. did it. Man, I'm killing it. Yeah, you're, you're on more than I can even keep track of. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but let's give you your proper, as, as if you've never been here before, introduction. So Anthony Simeone is a writer, speaker, and self-described heroism advocate with over two decades of experience in the practical application of literature, philosophy, psychology, and other disciplines. His Live the Hero philosophy offers a life path for use in overcoming obstacles. And you wrote a series of articles at the Good Men Project in January, I believe, uh, about the introduction to this Live the Hero philosophy. So that's really what I wanted to explore um, in today's show. Does that work for you? Yeah, sounds like a plan. I'm ready. Cool. So, so first, like, like what started your interest in heroes? Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's good that we're getting an update from, I think I did an interview initially with you and Apio like a while back. So it's good to kind of revisit because since then I've kind of, you know, lived the hero, this whole life philosophy, which I, again, I really started with for myself uh, to just to pull myself out of like a depression and out of, you know, mania and things like that, uh, my own mental health issues, you know, as time's gone on, you know, doing my, doing my, the rest of my responsibilities in life, the day job, the wife, the kids and everything, you know, trying to fulfill this purpose that I feel called to, you know, I've kind of fleshed out the program a little more, um, really kind of, I'm going to get delving into different areas that I feel like can amalgamate with it. Because like you said, in the introduction, you just gave me, you know, there's all kinds of disciplines and ideas and philosophies that I'm aggregating into this that helped me, you know, and I really feel this calling and in this positive psychology class, taking they, they went through this whole thing about nuns and how they feel this calling and this haunting, the haunting is the word. And I've been haunted by this for years. So, you know, I'm still pushing towards getting this and codifying it. So these posts I posted in January are sort of me establishing this framework in a more solid way for people to experience and to utilize and actually put into practice. So that was really is that, you know, I'm, I'm like, listen, I got to get this into a more concrete form. A book 
fingers crossed, someday we'll hopefully follow where I'll expand on these. But this is like the structure of things, like the most basic skeletal structure of things. Cool. I, I don't think I realized it that that this was, you know, uh, kind of the framework was created for you because you were in the feeling in the muck. Yeah, I was. It was. It was. I needed to do something. It was sink or swim. You know, I was doing traditional therapy. I was, you know, taking medication, you know, for after being diagnosed with being bipolar, you know, everything fell apart. So in the true hero's journey fashion, I hit this abyss moment. I hit the bottom of this curve. And we'll go into that as uh, this call goes on or as this episode goes on, because I want to delve into sort of the structure of what I outlined. But yeah, it really was, I hit my abyss moment. I hit my dark spot in life at the lowest point in my life. And I just started to claw my way back up. And I was like, listen, I, you know, therapy's great. Traditional therapy is great for, you know, healing pathology of the mind. Medication is great, you know, uh, to a point. But then I needed something else. I needed something that would supplement what I was already getting. Like I needed to have something that encouraged me and enlightened me and made me feel like I was purposeful and fulfilled. So it was just like something inside of me was saying, okay, you love Joseph Campbell, Hero with a Thousand Faces, Hero's Journey. It's not just a cool the reason why it's a cool way to tell stories, the reason why film people from George Lucas onward and before him have been ripping off Joseph Campbell and his monomyth that what the, all this is based off of, the reason why it's getting ripped off is not just it's a cool story. It's, it's a cool story structure because it resonates with us so deeply as human beings. And that's why mythologies, going back to the distant ancient past, follow this structure. You know, we need an ideal to strive for. We need you know, so heroism isn't just like, oh, you run into a burning building, you know, mythical traditional heroism isn't about just running into a building, saving some people and then disappearing back into your life. It's, you know, the ancients created mythology and heroic myth in particular to uplift society. You say, men and women, you can strive towards this ideal. You may not always attain it, but this is a structure for life. This is something that is not just for your entertainment and you walk away and go about your life and you, it's a structure for life. So, and now philosophies and, you know, are confirmed that over the years and scientific disciplines and scientifically backed disciplines like positive psychology are taking what we would consider in the past humanistic psychology and humanistic things like mythology and are giving scientific rigor to it. And they're testing things that we get, say, from mythology or from literature or the all the or philosophy, all these other disciplines that I'm trying to amalgamate and pull together into my philosophy. Yeah, that I you know, created for myself, and now I'm just a regular guy, I'm just a guy from Philly. I'm nobody special, and I'm like, I, I, I'm haunted and called to pass this onward, hmm. and that's that's leads me to today talking to you again about this topic that I love so much. So. Cool. So, so the the notion of how you, you you touched on it, um, how this is a mindset, not a moment. So, this it, heroism is not the 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 burst of courage and lifting the car and saving the baby and putting out the fire and rescuing orphans. It it's more a day to day mindset and approach to living. Right. I mean that. But see that activity, like going to war and running into danger, running towards danger against all of our animalistic instinct. You know the the against all of that fight flight response that wants to protect us going against that with our rational human divine spark 
yes, that's the tip of the iceberg. When you see someone running into that burning building, when you see first responders running towards the buildings collapsing at 9-11, at 9-11 soldiers going into battle, you know, people stepping up and defending others against muggings, you know, that is an expression and is a moment of heroism, no doubt. All of those things are expressions of heroism. But what, you know, one of my other favorite inspirations, Phil Zimbardo of Stanford Prison Experiment Team, he's moved on to heroism science. And, you know, there's, heroism is banal, just like evil can be banal. You know, there's, there is an everyday aspect of it where, you know, if you take and strip down heroism to its basic fundamental units, it's about uplifting yourself and others. It's about overcoming the fight-flight response. It's about overcoming our animalistic side and gaining control and discipline over the self and tapping into the divine self. So it's, it really is, an, it's not a moment, it is a mindset, but that mindset can culminate in moments. It does all the time. And they can be dramatic rescue moments, or they can be helping someone across the street or, you know, going to up to a conservative, if you're me as a more liberal minded person, going up to a conservative person and saying, hey, we disagree, but you know what, you're still human, I'm still human. That's a moment of heroism, especially in our time now with the division we're seeing. Okay. So, so it's also not like, like an ego trip. This isn't just pupping yourself up with false bravado that this is, it, it's more in the core. It's really understanding your being. That's part of it. Yeah. I mean, you really have to know yourself first. So the first hero's journey that we all take is really within and we take it constantly. I mean, this is a cycle that goes on and on. You know, if you can see your entire life as a great big hero's journey from birth to death, but then imagine along the rim of that circle that is your entire life, there's wheels within wheels, there's circles, limitless circles, you know, all along that journey that are the small decision moments and decision points in your life where you can act heroically. And again, not putting yourself in danger. Heroism doesn't require putting yourself in danger. It requires stepping beyond your normal world, your normal behavior, and stepping beyond the status quo of your society sometimes to change that society for the better. And sometimes that comes out as like an expression on, in wartime or whatever, and, and where there's actual physical harm possible. But oh, most of the time it should and can come uh, culminate in just supporting your society in a positive way rather than being a force of entropy and destruction. So, and that's the constant interplay of our lives is that tug of war, that yin and yang uh, against, you know, our def between our divine selves, our divine angelic selves that has that spark, our better angels, like Lincoln said, and our more basic animal nature that what we would call in positive psychology is the uh, paleo-mammalial cortex, the monkey mind, that fight or flight, which is there to protect us and protected our ancestors from the saber-toothed tigers. But we're firing it all the time now. We're through TV and our cell phones. We're triggering our stress response, that fight flight response. We're inviting the saber tooth tiger into our houses, you know? So that's why a negativity bias is so strong. So we need this. I see heroism, the heroism men mindset and mentality as being an antidote to that sort of knee jerk reaction that we're all having in our society here in the West. So cool. And, and, it, one thing I I, th I think might be a common misunderstanding is, is that like heroes are perfect and they do everything right. Um, but in, in mythology and story and in daily practice, is, is perfection part of heroism? It really isn't. You know, heroes are human. 
and really when it comes down to it is yes we you know heroes are fallible and even in mythology you know if you go back to any of the heroes i mean hercules is one of my favorite examples i think he was duped into killing his whole family you know he was tricked by i think a goddess it might have been hera i think yeah i think hercules if i'm remembering my mythology off the top of my head it's mythology test time for me um you know i think hera was his stepmother and zeus had fornicated with someone else and zeus uh, uh hercules popped out <laughs> eventually and then i think hera tricked him you know into killing his whole family and you know that wasn't he was by no means perfect or infallible or above being tricked like that so the lesson of mythology and heroic mythology in particular teaches us that, yeah, the heroes are flawed and you have to be okay with that. Right. So, so, so part, part of the heroic journey is facing and overcoming your own flaws and mistakes. Yeah. And really that's what, again, as I was saying earlier, you need to do that first. Yeah. You, know, yeah, if you, right. want, you need to do that first. You need to go through and then you can start helping other people. You have to kind of, you know, set yourself in a good mindset and in this heroic mindset before you can help others. So, so what are some ways that anyone can start kind of creating or living the, this heroic mindset? Okay, so it starts with mindset. There's three sections that I broke things up into for just this purpose of what I'm doing with Live the Hero. So just for the edification of your audience, okay, this is my handy-dandy visual aid here. Can you see that? Is that coming into resolution? Yeah. Okay, so... That is the hero's journey in a basic format, okay? So, but you can chunk this down into three major areas, and we'll get into that when it comes to actually, once you set the mindset, you can get into this. So this is the hero's journey. Okay, and just, just for the sake of people only listening to this and not, not seeing this, uh, this video. <laughs> That's right. Uh, it, it's the call to action. It's, 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 it's a circle. So it's, it's a, a circle. A yeah, it's a theme of being called to something, overcoming something, and starting anew from a, from a higher place, from a more empowered place now. Right. So, and then, but it can get really complicated. And again, oh. I'm showing another. So it can get as complicated as you want. So, you know, Joseph Campbell was a very scholarly man. And he, it got, there was lots of bits and pieces to the journey of the heroes. And if you're familiar with, you know, any kind of, like I say, especially Lord of the Rings is one of my favorite examples. If you're familiar with the course of the action of Lord of the Rings, you, there's all these little segments of things that happen along the path. Those aren't important for your day-to-day -day life. So really to start with, let's start with the mindset and then we'll see, I'll tell you how I chunk down that circular hero's journey into three major parts. But, you know, so starting with the mindset, if you're going out into the world, there's things that I consider that you, these are non-negotiable. So number one is you have to stick with what we would call the golden rule. The absolute foundational principle to me is the golden rule. Treat other people as you would want to be treated. That is non-negotiable. So that, my friend, in our day and age, is one of the most difficult calls to action. That, is, that requires heroism in and of itself, it seems like these days. You know, we come from, we're so dominated by that negativity bias, as is pointed out in, you know, the discipline of positive psychology now, you know, we really delve into the biology of our brains and our paleomammalian cortex is that seat of the fight or flight response. And it's so much more powerful and persistent than our positivity. That's why we have mindfulness. That's why we have self-awareness, is that it's a constant practice. It's a lifelong practice that we're not taught how to do and cultivate of consciousness, of awareness, of mindfulness. So, you know. so this negativity bias, it's not just 
sloppy thinking. It's not someone being lazy in the mind. This is truly part of our, our nature. It's built into us. Yeah, it's, it's, it was evolved to, to save us. It has a purpose. It's a good thing, you know, but there's always too much of a good thing. So yes, our survival instinct served the purpose for millennia to keep us alive. It still does today. If you're going to get hit by a bus, your body kicks in, your adrenaline kicks in and makes you jump out of the way. But the thing is that we're constantly stressing it now. We're constantly firing it off with all of this negative news that we are getting. And we have such an attention bias to negativity, it's overpowering. So what the hero's journey is capable of doing is as a tool for our self-awareness. And we really need to come back to the sense of community that our ancestors had and telling stories around the campfire and you know, being re- remembering that the foundation of the world is is everyone. The people are what's important. Okay. And, you know, especially we have a problem with that, especially in America, because of the mythology of, speaking of another mythology, of the rugged individual. Mm-hmm. So the rugged individual is this illusory sort of mindset where we worship sort of the celebrity of the instant success. So that's why celebrities and people, you know, we look at them, we say, we want what they have, we want want what they have they you know there's this illusion of a self-made person but really we can't you no one is self-made entirely we're self-motivated mm-hmm. you have to be self-motivated to succeed but your custom if you have a business customers paid you money to get you make you successful you know a banker lent you money uh, as well to start your business so the golden rule has to be the foundation and this realize realization that we're all in this together that's non-negotiable to me Okay. Um, and then from there, it's remembering that biology of our negativity bias and our need for mindfulness to come up to the surface, and we have to actively use that. So those are two of the so foundational so, uh, principles. And, and just because I, I, I come from a long history of, of negativity and thought it was like my fault or something, so recognizing the negativity bias doesn't mean you're allowed to be negative. It's just to recognize that it, it'll, it'll take kind of your conscious effort to, to kind of uh, be more positive, to see the best, to see a solution? Yeah, I mean, it's, and again, I mean, the negative, negativity bias is still a part of us. It's that, again, it's that self-evolved self-defense mechanism that we right. all have. It's just that we don't have as many physical dangers, the saber tigers are gone and things like that, you know. Right. Um, so, but it's... it's so is it kind of, is, is, it, is it something to we have to learn to ignore our first kind of instinct if it, when it's negative, when it's run away from something? It's, it's not necessarily ignore it, it's embrace it. It's more like oh. taking it in. You know, we talk about some mystic traditions and even some psychiatrists and psychologists talk about the, the shadow part of us. So really that's part of the shadow of us right. is this negativity bias that's biologically an imperative that we still, so we have this old brain that we're still dealing with you know, but we have this new world. And so it's part of our shadow. So you have to embrace it. You have to acknowledge it because otherwise it's going to be that proverbial monster inside of you. If you don't, it kind of wants to be noticed and acknowledged. And if you just give it a hug and a pat on the head and say, okay, negative advice, I know you're here to protect me. I honor you. I embrace you and I take you into me. And then once you, when you manage that, yes, you can step beyond your normal everyday reactions and knee-jerk reactions to the world. Okay. And once so, you embrace that. So, so embracing it doesn't mean following it. No, it just yeah, means okay. accepting it and taking its suggestions under advisement, you know, like yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean 
so you're not excising it because that's unnatural and you're not just blindly following it because that is unnatural but a lot of people do that and thus the reason why we have so much discord um so it's sort of a balance you okay. know and it's accepting that as part of yourself and being okay with it cool and and then the the, the third section of the of, of the basics of, of, of the mindset i i know is being comfortable with, with uncertainty so you know everybody wants you know they're staying in their comfort zone and to be sure of things so so you know how does the mindset help you uh, accept and embrace life's inherent lack of certainty yeah i mean i i really think that certainty is at the root of a lot of the atrocities and strife and struggles that we've had over the millennia i think that whenever we fight too hard for certainty it necessarily comes with the demonized other mm. uh, you know it's we have to be okay with the fact that we have free will and free action and agency in the world that comes at the price of things never being certain and the again the animal part of us the paleomammalian cortex that gives rise to that fight flight response it craves certainty it wants certainty so bad but there's a part of us that also evolved to be searchers and seekers and to find out what's beyond the next horizon. So it's that, but that's a dynamic tension to be celebrated. You know, so that's, you know, the uncertainty of what's beyond the horizon and the comforts of home will always be at odds. And that's a good thing. You know, it's that, it's what turns the wheel of life in our existence. So, you know, that, un, that the whole thing with the hero's journey is coming out of the certainty of your known world. So our ancestors had to deal with this. You know, they had to, that's why it's built into the hero's journey. There's, you start in the known world and some need within you or within your society or both requires that you step beyond the status quo, that you step beyond the pale of your known world and go out. So, it's built into us, you know, but we, again, we have civilization wants us to have this illusion of certainty and of almost smug certainty. You know, that's why we see so many people, especially in the internet age, you know, my opinion beats your truth, you know, or the truth of the universe. So that's why we have flat earthers and blah, and all these other conspiracy theories. I feel like human beings, when we give in too much and we succumb too much to the need for certainty, we say, the world is flat, people suck, that's it, I've, I've ordered the universe. The universe is now a nice clean box and that creates sickness. That's why people become sick mentally and, and spiritually, really, when you're too fixated on making the world too safe. You know, right. there is risk inherent in the world, so you need to be okay with it. Because if you're not okay with it, you start saying, okay, um, the reason why the world is uncertain is because of you people. That's an easy solution to persecute and commit genocide against other people if they're, the, they're supposedly the root of your problems. Right. So, so it's, a, it's the, the, the problem of, of black or white thinking, all or nothing, and exactly. trying to put, you know, things in boxes, sharp divisions, and, and yeah, life, life is gray life is uncertain and it and it's neat what you said about um you know our desire for more and, and seeking and learning and i it, it hadn't dawned on me that oh yeah if i was certain about everything well why would i ever open a book or see a movie or try to learn something new if i was certain about the answer already and so, so or, for many people or, certainty keeps people stuck where they are exactly and that's the, our ancestors knew that so that's why they created mythologies around the world, like at an instinctual gut, spiritual level, whatever you want to use. Our ancestors knew that certainty and stagnation is death. So 
that's why Joseph Campbell, when he started studying all these world cultures, he saw, oh my God, this pattern is repeated in the stories of all these disparate cultures that had no connections to each other, unless you believe in ancient aliens and they were all connected by spaceships or portals or whatever. But withstanding that, you know, uh, you know, there's something instinctual in all of us that has this pattern in our, in our very souls of this hero's journey. And a big part of it is, yeah, staying away from certainty, you know, just like, and the Maori say in New Zealand, what is the most important thing in the world? It is people, it is people, it is people, you know? So it's, so those are the three foundational things in the mindset of the hero's journey. It's people are paramount, including yourself. You have to be okay with certainty and now I'm drawing a blank because I'm getting excited because I'm already thinking about the next part of it. Okay. So it's, it's, be, it's be okay with the negativity bias. Negativity bias. And, and right. Uncertainty. As uncertainty. Right. Yes. Okay. Because okay. cool. now you got me thinking about the next part. So, <laughs> All right. so my brain's going too fast. All right. Be present. <laughs> Take a breath. <laughs> and, and so I'll, I'll lead you there. Maybe you're facing it. But so how do heroes overcome obstacles? Okay. So instead of, you know, the looking at all the little different points of the hero's journey as described by Joseph Campbell uh, on his sometimes complex interpretation of the hero's journey with all the different little parts, you can chunk it down into three major areas. And this is my offering as this framework for approaching any situation in life, big or small. Uh, so the first, it's, I call it the call cycle. So call stands for challenge, action and lessons learned right challenge actions lessons learned basically um so the first step is the the call or the challenge so in every, the beginning of any adventure is the call to adventure right. and we can refuse it and often we do and most of the time in mythology heroes refuse the call and that's again our our need for comfort we have to fight that so you know bilbo baggins in the hobbit you know, he freaks out when all the dwarves start coming in, but Gandalf knows that Bilbo needs this, you know, and they need Bilbo. So, you know, all the dwarves come in and ransack his house and eat all his food, and he kind of passes out for a little while, <laughs> literally. And then, you know, he says, I can't do this. I'm just a hobbit. I'm a nobody. But then he eventually realizes, okay, I, I know that there's more to the world than this, so I need to go. Hmm. So, you know, so for the first step for this challenge, you know, your boss gives you a big deadline, you know, you know, someone kind of walks into you on the street and, you know, uh, your kids are freaking out, you know, you're getting into an argument with your wife, you know, these are the call to adventure. Are you going to succumb to your baser nature and you're going to succumb to your fight, flight response, your, your monkey mind? And are you going to just react in a knee jerk way? Or are you going to use mindfulness and your knowledge that you were meant for more and you're, and other people matter, and being okay with uncertainty, and understanding the biology of your negativity bias. So you're going to say, okay, are you going to be the one that hands out the olive branch first and go, okay, I'm sorry I bumped into you guy on the street. Kids, okay, let's talk this out. I'm not just going to yell at you. Honey, let's sit down. Let's talk. You know, okay, boss, I'm not going to call you a jerk that you just gave me this huge deadline that's due in a few days. And you didn't give me any time to do it. I'm going to rise to this challenge. So we all have these challenges. So like I said, you have that big circle of your whole life, but along the rim, there's all these little circles of all the different challenges that limitlessly happen to you throughout your life. Mm. So the challenge is the first part. So, and, and it sounds like the key with a challenge is, is, to, is to slow down. 
not, yes. not simply react out of habitual patterns. So it's just, yes. Uh, again, like even like we demoed in the show, just take a breath. All right, what's next? Where? What am I doing? What you know? What's what's right in front of me as opposed to jumping ahead from where we are? Exactly, and this is possible. You know, and you're not going to be perfect. You know, and. and in positive psychology, they have techniques. You, know, you do that. Breathing is amazing, just biologically. Yes, you take that breath. You know, you wiggle your toes. There's all different kinds of tricks that you can get present. It's all about being present. And I know mindfulness is such a buzzword now, and it's become almost meaningless to some people. And they're like, "Oh, namaste, whatever." Another mindfulness thing, but it really is about raising your, you know, your neocortex, your newer part of your brain, and being conscious of and not and again, kind of countermanding this knee-jerk, paleomammalial cortex, your older brain's knee-jerk reaction. Yeah. And like if, if, if anything becomes a cliche, that's just a, yeah, mindful, yeah, yeah, how you doing? But yeah, yeah. If, you're not, if you're just saying it, not doing it, then you've lost the whole point. Exactly. Okay. So then step two of call, so the A in the word call, the acronym call is action. So there's such a thing in, again, positive psychology is my new, my new jam, basically. There's growth mindset and fixed mindset. So we can go into a fixed mindset where we can start doing self-fulfilling prophecy, like, oh, I'm never going to come overcome this. I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to accomplish that. You know, for this reason, this reason, this reason. You know, so that's the decision point of action. You can either give in to that fixed mindset or you can pick up the sword of the challenge, you know, and pick up a sword as a tool, as a symbol for a tool of the growth mindset, you know, the solution-based mindset. Is the fixed so, mindset, is the fixed mindset ever beneficial or is that the negativity bias? Is, is, does having a fixed mind about anything actually help us? Uh, I mean, that is, it's tapped into the negativity bias. I mean, it's all about being, you know, there's, it's also called the judger versus learner. So the negativity bias, the, the, the judger path, and the fixed mindset is all about squelching your potential and sort of keeping you in that comfort zone. Because if you don't strive, the, the, the false perception is if you never strive, you'll, ne if you'll never fail, and then therefore you won't face ridicule. And that's another big motivator is the fear of being the out person and the fear of in-group, out-group, you know? So that's a lot of the reasons why people don't like public speaking. It's not because they're afraid of, you know, people per se, they're afraid of judgment. So it's, you know, judgment and learning and growth and fixed. It's all, those are huge motivators. So, so I do, mean, you, do you think it's possible? Can, can some enlightened being have a fixed mindset about how everything is a growth opportunity? Can, can they <laughs> You'll be merged in. I am sure. I am certain of my welcomeness of uncertainty. <laughs> All right. So now we're getting kind of meta here, man. I don't know. <laughs> this might be above my pay grade. Uh, what do you think? Are you getting at something, or are you just honestly inquiring? Or no, you... I might like. You know, is the Dalai Lama? Is he? You know, can someone be so used to growth that it it becomes their new fixed mind? You know, that's something. Like, uh, is, it, is it always one or the other, or can they? Oh, wait, I'm so habitually used to seeing it as growth that it becomes my fixed mindset. No, Maybe not I think, fixed or my automatic, more automatic mindset. I think, I think if you're truly in a growth mindset, you are in the space where you're like, you know, my ideas might not be correct, <laughs> you know, or sometimes there is no action that needs to be taken. Sometimes you need to just be fixed. And yeah, so I don't know. I think it's kind of a little contradictory, but I mean, 
Yeah, I think the fixed mindset is sort of like rigid and unchanging and stagnant versus dynamic. And, you know, in the growth mindset, you can also allow for yourself to potentially be wrong, of course. Mm -hmm. You know, you're being open, that open-minded that you're like, you know, I'm, honestly, people in the fixed mindset are the ones that are usually, they stand stubbornly in their belief system. They're not the ones that just question themselves and undermine themselves. I think those people are also in the fixed mindset area where they debilitate themselves with doubt. I think it's also the people that, that stick their heads in the sand and draw the line in the sand and refuse to change their mind at all. So, you know, I don't know. I think that they're, I don't know. That's a good, that's, that's a good imponderable though. We'll have, <laughs> I'll have to dwell on that. All right. I hope we don't give you nightmares. Keep it up all night trying to figure that out. But, uh, <laughs> so we've gotten to the point of, of you, you've answered the call, even if it's reluctantly taking multiple times. And now it's a time of action. It's the time of picking up your metaphorical sword or a real sword. If you're in some sort of dangerous situation, I suppose. Right. Exactly. So then at the end is the, the two L's of the call, lessons learned. So that's the, if anyone's looking at, or if you reference the hero's journey, you come back from beyond the unknown. You come, you go in the initial part of the, of the hero's journey, you leave the known world for the unknown. And then you come back at the end, having gained something like, you know, Bilbo comes back with the ring and keeps it, you know, takes it from Gollum and he comes back wiser and more experienced and he has treasure, you know, and he's richer now. So in those stories, the, but the metaphor for us, you know, those stories are kind of, you know, metaphorical for you come back with wisdom, you know, it's the treasure is in the spirit. So you come back. And so what are the lessons learned? So, you know, if, you control your temper in a situation where you used to lose it. And again, this all ties in with um, the thing that I really like, a little tangent here about this chunking into three parts of the hero's journey. If you're familiar with the work of Charles Duhigg and the power of habit, that book he, he wrote, there's every habit has a cue that something cues a habit that starts. There's a routine that you follow and then there's the reward. So it's like, I see cookies. That's the cue. You know, I'm going to go eat a cookie. That's the routine. And then the sugar rush is the, is the reward. But Duhigg teaches us that you can tinker with that. And I feel like it aligns very well and not so, you know, not coincidentally with these three major sections of the hero's journey. So, you know, that reward at the end, if you change your routine and you can tinker with your routines, Duhigg says, and change a bad habit, the lessons learned at the end is like, I have strength, I have power over, I have agency over my whims and my my cravings you know i can do this so but you know if you're in a life situation you can come out at the other end satisfied and in control of your life in a healthy way versus you know the old routine that you used to have and how you, your actions you used to take you know you would flip people off on the road and have road rage and you know argue with your wife not you know but if you take that different path you take the growth mindset path you take a better action you know and if you're mindful of this process so this framework set makes you mindful of those three steps you know i have these things that trigger me how can I take a different action? And that lesson learned at the end is I am a, a different person now. Mm. I have grown, I am strong, I am in control. So, and this is honestly what I went through time and time again, you know, uh, with my own mental health struggles. So, so, so. that, that, that treasure is something that kind of, you can stand on as, as your personal growth, your spiritual growth, your discovering you're stronger than you thought that you could yep. overcome something, be, yep. be it as small as, 
as not being furious while you're driving to work or, you know, fulfilling that big project or helping your kids figure something out. And, and uh, again, I love the, the notion of, of, of just seeing every, every challenge, every, everything, every, oh crap, I got to do that moment as, oh, what if this is my call to adventure and, and how can I make this adventurous in this moment? And, you know, what, what treasure can I discover w- within me or externally to me based on the, the situation? Yeah. And sometimes if you react to a situation differently, what if at work people are used to you being a, someone who goes, oh crap, here we go. And like a negative Nancy or whatever, you know, and what if, you know, one, what if you decide to make this different choice because you have this call to action that you recognize consciously, you make a different choice. And then part of the treasure you get at the end is not just self-satisfaction, but people start treating you better. You know, people start coming to you for, you know, to, as, as someone that they see that they can admire versus someone that they want to avoid. Yeah. So, you know, th- th- all this, of these treasures, yeah. Th- this can. reminds me of one that, uh, I don't know, maybe like a decade ago in corporate America, and I, and I thought I hated my job. I thought it hated everybody else. And, you know, everyone's always emailing me and asking me questions, ah, these idiots. And I, and I consciously reframed it like, all right, what if I take each interaction as an opportunity to teach this person? Instead of assuming you're an idiot, like, oh, hey, can I help you learn this? So you know what to do next time. And, and that shifted everything. And, I, and again, I felt the treasure from that and just, oh, I feel better. And people would say, hey, thanks. And, you know, that's where I, I really discovered uh, a joy of teaching and helping people and all that kind of stuff. But it was, you know, it all came out of um, I was sick of being furious by being emailed the same question over and over. Right. So we can reframe everything. But so we talked about the whole the cycle. We've broken it down. Um, since it's, you can be broken it down and you can define it fairly clearly, does that mean this is all can happen just quickly and easily? I mean, as far as becoming a new habit, you know, it, no, I mean, well, no, I mean, I th- it's like anything in life that's worthwhile. It's going to take practice. It's just like you don't go to the gym once or twice a year and expect great results. You know, it's, you know, this is a lifelong discipline. It's a lifelong practice. And honestly, this is why superhero movies and other stories, you know, all these stories that we tell, especially superhero movies today, they tell this story over and over and over till we're kind of honestly getting sick of it, you know? Um, You know, but I mean, this is why it's been told in this form with this pattern for millennia. Is because we need to be constantly reminded and constantly retaught because our ancients, our ancient ancestors knew that they didn't know, like, you know, they didn't have the science that we have today that say, oh, well, the, we've discovered in the brain the negativity bias, you know, the paleomammalian cortex is the ancient brain and the neocortex is the higher center of the brain. They didn't know this stuff, but they saw human behavior. Hmm. And they said, okay, we keep seeing people behaving like this. Sometimes people can rise up and overcome this instinct. Sometimes they can't, you know, and that's why we tell heroic stories over and over and over and over and over. It's because we need the reminder. We need to tell this over and over because we easily forget and we let the everyday rigmarole and our short-sightedness of our monkey part of ourselves overcome us Mm. so it's you know we need to have be reminded of our better the better angels of our nature and that's why these stories and this structure is eternal so do do you think anyone can develop a heroic mindset oh yeah everyone can it's it's as far as i'm concerned from whatever source you think it's from whether it's divinely given or if you're 
more scientifically minded. There's something in us genetically that makes us have this urge to be communal and to protect each other and uplift each other despite all of our differences. Uh, anyone can learn it. It's it's part of our your it's part of each of our inheritances as a human. It's our spiritual and genetic inheritance and birthright as human beings to have this potential in all of us. So why do you think everyone doesn't embrace this mindset? It's a big part of it is the negativity bias, this, this urge to, and again, the negativity bias, the, the fight flight response is, it was evolved to protect us. It means well, you know, and it's very strong and it, you know, we've, it's been scientifically delved into, you know, you need off the top of my head, I can't remember how much more positive thoughts you need to counter a negative thought, but it's, it's asymmetric. The relationship between positive and negative thoughts is asymmetric. So it takes a lot because if you think about it, Andy, when you feel good, you kind of just chill and you relax and everything's right with the world. It doesn't put you in a fighting scrappy mood if you're comfortable, you know, but when you're angry or upset or stressed out, it's, it's so much more aggressive and strong and rises up and it demands to be seen and heard. So that's why the squeaky wheel gets the grease. That's why the loudest idiots in our society, sorry, I'm trying to be more understanding of human beings, Never mind. The loudest people in our society are the ones that are the most fear-driven. So it's, this, it's the fear mm-hmm. that overcomes our better nature. It's the, it's the narrow-mindedness. And that manifests itself and infects cultures and societies and you know it's if we don't if we mindlessly follow our programming of society and that is driven by our fear based selves and our fear the fear part of our instinct when people mindlessly follow that for most of the time the sake of comfort and certainty again the certainty siren the trap of certainty it, it that's what causes us to to see each other as less than and to commit atrocities so it's that but that's the choice that we are always as a species always are forced to make and that's what our civilizations have always tried to remind us so that's why it's very important for us to remember that we have this legacy of heroism that we can all rise to right. there's like it's so it's like an well you call it the siren call so there's this easy lure of staying small, staying afraid and, and not daring to go over that horizon and not daring to right. challenge your own thoughts or habits. Yeah. It's the path of least resistance. It's, mm, it's yeah. the path of least resistance. It's, I have mine. I have my little cave with my food and I'm, every, everyone I love is provided for. And that's okay. Those things are okay. Again, we're not ridiculing that instinct. But it's, we tend to forget, especially in our modern age where our technology has made us so self-sufficient we have forgotten that we, for most of our existence as a species, depended on each other for life and death. Like if we didn't, if we went one day without communicating and cooperating with our fellow human beings, bad things would happen. So it's only with the industrial revolution and and cheap energy from oil and all those things is that we have this pretty wonderful illusion for someone you can go in your house and you can sit there and play video games and watch TV and you can have someone Uber you food. And you, the only interaction you have is like with the food guy and you could sit Netflix and chill for weeks and weeks and weeks and work from home remotely, you know, and you could never potentially leave your cave anymore. Yeah. So it's this, we have this, but then these smug people will sit in their houses 
and go, nah, people suck. Look what they're doing on TV. Yeah, look, people are terrible. We let our, we've allowed ourselves this illusion of, I don't need anybody else, oh, pff, whatever. And we think we can judge other people and say, but listen, man, the lights go out, something happens. What happens when disaster strikes? We immediately look for help from other people. You know, so it's this, that illusion is easily shattered. Yeah, and, and people usually come together in the face of every yes. disaster, natural or man-made. People come together. And you can be cynical about it and say, oh, it's just for convenience. It's, you know, the selfish gene or whatever, you know, but no. Uh, and here's the thing. People think people are so terrible, but everything, and everyone talks about how proof needs to be self-evident. You have to prove the scientific method that, you know, the evidence needs to be before your eyes. The best evidence for us being geared more towards cooperation than destruction of each other is the fact that I'm in a house right now. We're talking on this miraculous technology to each other. You know, a, an inherently destructive, non-cooperative species that most people, a lot of people in our culture, especially very bitter men that you and I have talked to personally, think we're so terrible as a species. None of this would exist. None of the houses, the technology or the wonders that we have in the 21st century would have existed. We would have wiped ourselves out ages ago. It's Occam's razor. It's the, the simplest answer is the correct one. It's it is self-evident that the fact that we have all these wonderful technologies and wonderful things is that points to we are more geared towards cooperation than destruction of each other. Mm -hmm. But it's the negativity bias tricks us. That, that's the devil and has always existed. The devil is sort of the seducer and it tells us like, you don't need other people. Other people are shit, blah, you know? So it's that negativity bias has always been with us and it's that tempting voice that you don't need anybody else. You can just be self-sufficient. You can just take that person's stuff. And yes, horrible things exist and we have committed horrible things in the name of these, this negativity bias and the social structures we've created based on fear. But it is outweighed by our instinct. And unfortunately, it has over time, over the millennia, we have needed atrocities and crises and natural disasters to wake us up from that negativity bias that when we when we do we we create wonderful things but and again that even though it's subsumed under a lot of negativity bias we 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 do default ultimately back to cooperation and care for each other right so it's kind of the uh you know the, the positive aspect the upside of of bad things is the collective of humanity kind of coming together and all right we've got to come up with a better solution or we'll, we'll comfort the people that are injured and or whatever however it may present yeah and that's like the third part of you know of this cycle so there's the mindset there's the 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 pattern you know the call cycle and then there's movement motion like you need to get out into life you can't sit and fester in your cave and sit in judgment of other people because that illusion, you know, we need to be in motion. We, that illusion that we are separate and that we are above each other and that we don't, we're self-sufficient, we're islands unto ourselves, it needs to be shattered. So we need to go out. And when we go out and we move among other people, that, is, that illusion is easily shattered. So that's why the third part of is, you know, really the hero's journey is about motion. It's about movement. You can't you can't learn anything new. You can't do something new. You can't accomplish something new in your life with the same old thinking and the same old pattern of your life. If you want things to change and grow, you need to hold all new thinking, a new situation, movement. You need to get away from what was and move into something new and get out of your comfort zone.
So that makes sense that that with, with again without without answering the call you haven't engaged in any action any any motion as you're saying. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's inherent, and, and again every every kind of uh, graphic about the hero's journey it, it it's a circle it's it's not well I guess I guess a dot is a small circle but you you <laughs> have to take the path you have to go you have to do something it takes action and you yeah. know we we are you know we are physical beings you know we yeah. we are made to move and you know I find when when with the times when I've been depressed and miserable and thought the world sucked and people were horrible, especially myself, I just sat in a lump. I didn't move. Um, exactly. But, but, but yeah. often physical activity is one of the best things that can help us, uh, you know, improve our, our mood and our outlook. Yeah. And, and mental activity. Well, you know, we're not just restless physically, we're restless mentally, spiritually, emotionally, emotionally, you know, and that dynamic tension and that restlessness should be celebrated. But, you know, again, is it, are you taking a fear-based approach to your restlessness that you were born with, that you were blessed with? Are you taking a fear-based approach and saying, oh, that's just, you know, because I, I'm not settled and I don't know what the hell I'm doing with my life and I, I'm a, I'm a screw-up because I'm always restless. Like, no, you're supposed to be. That's why it is a circle. The hero's journey is a circle because you leave the ordinary world, you go learn some wisdom, you get out of your comfort zone, you come back to the regular world, and eventually you get restless again. Yeah. So you need to take that journey again and again and again. Otherwise, you're sitting there and you're not growing. You're not changing. So we are growth machines. We are made to grow and, and change and develop and through connection with other people. And the, the mental pathology of hatred towards other human beings is a direct result of being stagnant, sitting still, and becoming... A, a, an evil dictator of your own mind and in your own head and in your own little section of the world. So, so even more than just the hero's journey being a circle, it's really a spiral and an upward spiral. You're, you're, you're traveling in a circle, but you're, you're starting at any point is, is higher. It's, it's elevated than where you really began. Yeah. And that's a definite, that's, you know, part of positive psychology is, we want people in positive psychology. You know, there's regular psychology, traditional psychology is trying to get you back to neutral, really. It's, you know, it's, tr it's treating a pathology, it's treating mental disease, and that's necessary. But then as positive psychology is a complement, it takes what is good about human beings as far as our positivity, and it studies, it's, you know, positive psychology for the last few decades as a discipline has studied what makes when people are flourishing and happy and they have good well-being or we want to study that so people yeah. started studying that and saying okay what takes people north of neutral and part of that upward spiral is part of the concept of positive psychology where it's like yes you know these things you can go on an upward spiral or we all know what it's like to be on a downward spiral right where you just kind of reinforce the negative things with a fixed mindset but the growth mindset is an upward spiral and it's you know okay i just finished this one journey i just you know, I normally would have ignored that little lady who always crosses the street, you know, and she almost gets hit by a car every day. So I went over today, made a different, I answered the call to adventure. I went over there, helped her cross the street. And wow, I feel great about myself, you know, so that's an upward spiral, you know, and then you, that'll lead to more and more positive actions in your life, hopefully. Cool. You know, we have setbacks and you have to build setbacks into the journey. You have to be prepared for setbacks. And that's what the hero's journey, the heroic story teach us. You know, heroes always hit a low point at some point or they're down and it, it can be low or really low. But, you know, you, the hero's journey teaches us that there's a path out. Mm. And, but 
and you're going to come back to a point you're going to say oh i feel good about myself and then a few days will pass you're like oh crap i feel crap about myself you know so the journey has to start again when you're feeling down that's generally a sign that you're like okay i need to shake things up freaking journeys uh (laughs) so i I feel like we've touched on it with with this upward spiral but so what's the end result of of living with this mindset of living the heroic life a better world (laughs) next question (laughs) Um, no i mean seriously it's that that really is it is if if more people just stopped passively consuming heroic stories like oh god i want to go see avengers 25 and blah like yeah it's but it's it maybe we're getting kind of overly conditioned with all how we're being glutted with our own superhero mythology of the present but i mean honestly though in all seriousness yes if more people led a more mindful life i know it sounds cliche and we led a life where we prioritize being heroic even in the tiniest of ways and again heroism is not saving someone from a crisis situation and life or death and sacrifice like those things are could be a result of acting heroically. You can give it all, like it's soldiers in wartime. Yes, you can make the ultimate sacrifice of your life, but that's not really the intention, especially in military training. Military training is not about not being a kamikaze, unless you're, you know, Japanese pilots in one specific part of history in World War II, you know. To be a trained warrior is to survive. You know, so to be a hero is to fight and live and live to see another day and to struggle another day and to help people in another day. So, you know, and to look at it another way, and and it, it's not only putting your life on the line, it's putting your beliefs on the line, putting your fear on the line. It's putting some other aspects at risk. Yes, there is risk. Yeah. There is risk of judgment from others. There's risk of harm. There's risk of ridicule. There's, there's even risk of, you know, that thing that our ancient ancestors, the monkey mind hates is being ostracized because ostracism from the group was death. And our monkey mind still believes that. And that's why we're so afraid of, you know, being different and being nonconformist. Hmm. And that's why the pressure to conform is because you don't want to be out group. You don't want to be outside of the group and banished. So, yeah. So sometimes the being, but our ancestors knew that if we were all, if we all started to become insular, and became little islands unto ourselves, we would die off. So cooperation is vital. Uh, unless some other amazing development in technology makes us truly like matter replication or whatever. I don't know. These things might change, but we're not there yet. So, Cool, cool. So um, like I, I told you before we started the show that, that I, I had reread all the articles uh, just before we started talking and that, you know, I really got a lot of it because I had been – um, if the, the last episode of Real Men Fear, we're talking about when the going gets tough, and you know, I'm kind of on this hero's journey in in my spiritual path and progression with the mystery school, and it, it sometimes just raises up every fear and doubt I ever had, and I'm like, why am I doing this? <laughs> and, you know, but uh, so I, this this really helped me. Uh, I hope it helped uh, everyone else listening. And um, visit realmenfield.org in the show notes of this, and I'll be sure and we'll we'll link to all four articles that that we're referencing in this. Uh, do you want to share other ways that, that people can get in touch with you, find more information about what you're up to? Yeah, you can go to livethehero.com, and that'll give you, on the front page, there's links to videos of me speaking about this. There's you know, my blog on that page. I've been doing a lot of work with Good Men Project, which you have as well. Um, so there's links to my articles there on Good Men Project. So I've been doing a lot of stuff which is geared towards men and the hero's journey. 
Um, this is where, and that's where I posted these articles, but like you said, you'll have them in the show notes, but yeah, go to live the reach out and you know, we'll, we'll talk heroism. <laughs> cool. Anytime. And, yeah. and, uh, you know, you, you mentioned, um, positive psychology a number of times and you mentioned your work on something. Is there anything you can tease us about your, your personal journey, anything of expression you'll be able to share yeah. soon or. Yeah. Um, so for positive psychology, yeah, I'm, I'm currently delving into that and incorporating that into the hero's journey mythology stuff and with live the hero. So I'm actually coming out. I'm, I'm developing a program that's sort of an offshoot of everything that I'm calling gear up. Um, so gear up for guys and, getting guys geared up. So it's the metaphor is, you know, getting gear on, you know, getting your gear together and kind of using these tools that we just talked about tonight, or also getting into gear, like a car metaphor, you know, getting yourself into gear. Um, so I'm, I'm developing this kind of other alternative to live the hero that's really geared towards guys and how we can take the positive psychology intervention and tools and heroism and kind of, so that's the first time I've mentioned that publicly. So, uh, but again, and the up is obviously up, like the upward spiral. Yeah. Um, so, but gear is, I wanted to make an acronym out of it, you know, like gratitude, empathy, awareness, resilience, you know, but it can be, it can stand for whatever you want. And the, yeah. the, but it really is that metaphor of like gear, like getting in gear, getting in drive, you know, and going forward from your life and what kind of gear you have you're carrying into your life to prepare you for everyday adventures in your life. So cool. that's, that's sort of like my next uh, project. So I'm hoping to be able to offer that as like a, a program for just geared towards guys. Yeah. There you go. Geared towards guys. Um, but yeah, so that's sort of like a compliment another facet of live the hero. So um, cool. Working awesome. on that as well. Yeah. yeah. Look forward to that uh, coming to fruition and, and helping uh, everyone else spiral up and, uh, so, uh, Anthony, uh, I, I forget what the number is at, but I think you're in, you know, you might be in double digits now for show appearances. Um, but uh, thank you again for, for joining us. Thanks for all the work that you do, expressing yourself, um, sharing it, encouraging um, other, other men to, to, to step up, to take responsibility. And um, instead of diving into the negativity bias, you know, confronting it and, and choosing something else. So I, I really appreciate your time and expertise. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me on again, as usual, Andy. I appreciate it, man. Always cool. a great time. <laughs> Beautiful. And, uh, and everyone, thanks for listening. Wherever you're listening to the show, please post a rating, a review, give it a share, a comment. Uh, and also, we'd love to hear from you. Visit realmanfield.org. See the show notes with all the links to Anthony's articles. Check us out on Facebook. Send us feedback. We'll talk to you again soon. And be good to yourself. And answer the call. That's right. Thank you for listening to Real Men Field. Reach out to us at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Learn more about Andy Grant at theandygrant.com. Until next time, visit realmenfeel.org or the Real Men Feel Facebook group and share what you thought of this episode. Please give this podcast a review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you are discovering Real Men Feel.